1: recorded live.
2: If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that's because you're either listening live or you've happened upon a pre-edit copy of the Scuba Obsessed netcast. Come back in a few hours and we will have an edited version already for you. Scuba Obsessed weekly podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 290 is recorded live July 14th, 2016. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Uh,
3: waterlogged. Um, I think I still got my hearing.
2: <laughs> Is the hearing just because you so you've been in the water so much, the, it never comes out of your ears?
3: Well, it might be cumulative because, I mean, it's like really in there now. I really need to put some of those eardrops in there. maybe oh, clearing, yeah. So.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of eardrops. Uh, I spent about the last year and a half fighting with my ears, and it was just because I took it for granted that it wasn't going to be a problem. And it once it gets in there, and it's not intuitive as to what you have to do. Uh, but I understand. that's uh, You're getting some diving in, then, I take it.
3: Well, like you said, 79-degree water. If you're not out there now, there is no excuse. Like I said earlier, we had guys out there in shorties, no hoods. Uh, I'm wearing my, my, you would be very comfortable in your suit.
2: So, so I can uh, uh, keep the dry suit at bay and break out the old wetsuit?
3: Absolutely. I mean, everybody was doing the same thing and then ventilating it once you get under. You know, I'm, I might <laughs> do that. Maybe 15 feet at the most. So 79 degrees, mucking like we are. Stop mm. it!
2: Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit more in that section of the the podcast. But I I've been trying to get out; it hasn't quite worked out. But let's go ahead and jump right on into news. We want to thank everybody's in the chat room tonight. We have Flyboy who's in there. Did, did he go diving with you today? She did. It's yeah.
1: True. You can't put a price on happiness. Not even
3: in Daytona. What? And you... I, went, I went to the uh, link and immediately it started talking.
2: Uh oh. I hate that. I'm afraid I'm going to be going there in just a second here. So let me cue up the show notes.
3: Yeah, John got his fourth, may I say fourth Hutchie?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Talking at the table tonight, it's like, well, I've only got one, and it's been 30 years. <laughs> John kicking butt.
2: He's, he, well, you said he had
3: fourth Hutchie? This is his fourth Hutchie now.
2: Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, four. Uh-huh. Goodness. Okay, well, uh, in the news, the follow-up for last week's article, we had Palm Beach County uh, sunk a cargo ship to create an artificial reef. Last week it was a plan. This week it actually happened. The Anna Cecilia 170-foot cargo ship, and then according to the article, said it once ferried cocaine from Haiti to Miami. Is, is that like a normal manifest that you have?
3: Well, I don't know about Manifest, but uh, I think the Coast Guard would pay attention to that route.
2: So the crew unplugged eight portholes at about 11.30 a.m. on Wednesday, which (laughs) was yesterday for us, allowed seawater to fill the vessel. So the portholes below the waterline, or did they have it weighted to where it was? The portholes were a little lower than normal.
3: I would imagine if they're talking portholes that you see through, they would be up above the waterline, so unplugged. That must mean something different.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, unless, yeah, okay. Uh, it took about 15 minutes for the Anna Cecilia to sink to the bottom in 85 feet. Uh, when it disappeared in the blue water, cheers erupted from the boaters who circled to watch it sink. It gives me pleasure knowing that the cargo ship. Once used to smuggle illicit drugs in a country is now being turned into artificial reef here in Florida. This is according to Diane uh, Sabatino, Director of Field Operations for Miami and Tampa for u s Customs and Border Protection built in nineteen seventy two The ship made international headlines in two thousand and twelve when it completed the first humanitarian voyage from Miami to Havana in more than fifteen years. It also served the oil platform in the Gulf of Mexico. She had some good things going, but she also got into trouble, which is how we got a hold of her, said Diane uh, Dan Bates, Deputy Director of Palm Beach County's Department of Environmental Resource Management. In September 2015, federal agents found 386 bricks of cocaine worth more than $10 million aboard the ship. The boat's captain pled guilty to cocaine possession and was sentenced to nine years in prison. Custom and Border Protection donated the ship to Palm Beach County. It cost $110,000 to clean and sink the boat. What a bargain. And they went to town. So they found the drugs in September. So in less than nine months from finding the drugs, they seized it, transferred uh, control of it, had it cleaned up, and sank it. Very manageable, don't
0: you think?
2: yeah I, we could come up with hundred and ten thousand dollars to sink a boat.
3: I think you could too, especially a hundred and seventy six footer That's a pretty good sized boat yeah, that's it.. I looked that up real quick. Mm-hmm. If you could sink a hundred and seventy foot cargo ship by opening eight portholes that we normally think of as portholes right. That doesn't sound logical.
2: No, I'm thinking that as part of the preparation, yeah, they must have weighted the boat. Somehow, or pre ballast it, you know either letting water in to get it to the point where the portholes were below water, and then they must have had some sort of release system
3: but eight, you know eight portholes for a hundred and seventy in fifteen minutes mhm that doesn't sound logical
2: no does it, it it doesn't, but like i said these this is not uh they've done this before, so I'm sure they've done some things i can't you wouldn't think that that few portholes would make a vessel think that quick uh, to date fifty one ships have been sunk for the uh, their artificial reef program in Palm Beach County, along with one hundred and twenty seven thousand tons of limestone boulders and seventy two thousand tons of concrete
3: you know I'm thinking of something here
2: mm-hmm.
3: why do we have the major issue right now for the coastline here in the south of Michigan, in southern Michigan, is shoreline erosion, right? Right. You sink ships out there, miles or so offshore, with this kind of stuff, boulders and concrete. Yeah. Don't you think that'll affect the bottom currents that it might help minimize the shoreline erosion?
2: I would think so. Because what we do is we, is we is you get this current <laughs> that moves along the shoreline and that's part of the erosion. People think it's just the waves, but it's also that current helps flush that sand away. You take the sand, you know, play, go down to the beach and play in the sand, dig out, you know, make a sand castle and dig out a little bit of the sand in front of it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing that's happening here. We got currents that are moving, Uh, like uh, just seeing what happens around shipwrecks when we, when we see a shipwreck down there gives you an idea of what the current is like. It's kind of of like drifting snow. Uh, So if you create a, even if it's a mile out or half a mile out, you create a shelf, that reduces the amount of sand moving out. So maybe that's something that we need to pitch. That's why I wanted to do that project where we would sink some uh, concrete blocks and just monitor it. Uh, The problem is that the state's so touchy on it. I don't know. You have to have so much money to get anything approved.
3: Yeah. yeah, and you generally have to have the backing and the money shown up front. Right. But the the kicker part is even though you may have that, when it goes to heck in a handbasket, it it didn't really mount. It didn't make any difference. Right. So why not go out on a limb and start it the other way first? Just you do know, it. And then fund it as you go through.
2: Yeah. I agree. Well, a Florida man has removed over 600 lionfish from local waters. David Garrett of Ormond Beach, Florida, has removed 684 fish so far as part of Florida's Lionfish Challenge. Garrett, a commercial fisherman and scuba diver, has reached the top of the rank since the competition started in May. The second place contestant so far has only brought in 374 which to me sounds like a lot. So he's almost doubled him uh, or her. The lionfish is spiny, poisonous, evasive species that disrupts native Floridians' fishing habits. There have been multiple attempts and at initiatives to reduce the amount of poisonous fish in Florida, including eating them. Competition will continue until September 30th. Participants only need to capture 50 lionfish to enter.
0: That's a you know
3: he's doing a fantastic job.
2: Yeah,
3: I talked to my uh, brother-in-law, mm-hmm. Florida, who's in the food business. Yeah, and I, I told him to let me know when he starts seeing common you know common restaurants and and uh, food places that start selling lionfish. He has seen it already, but he said it's a uh, it's not widespread yet but he's interested to see what it is because at that price of 7 to $9. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's something that should enhance people wanting to go out there and fish farm.
2: Yeah. Well, that's going to help everybody. It's going to help the boats. It's going to help the marinas. Right. Um, yeah, I'm bad, gonna, I'm making I'm the best gonna, out of a bad thing.
3: I'm going to talk to Dave down there who lives in Florida
2: and yeah. ask
3: him about the lionfish. So I know he's caught them, Has he eaten them. And, uh, Find out maybe can we get one up here?
2: A lionfish?
3: Pack it nice and. Oh oh I see yeah I agree. We you know I'd pay him for that. It, why not let's find out and see and do well, it.
2: How about that for the mud club picnic this year?
3: <laughs> Probably not. You don't think so? No, we have a lot of people who like chicken, as opposed to steak even.
2: Yeah. You get a get a grill going, throw four or five of them on there. I, I like uh, cooking fish on the grill.
3: Are you volunteering?
2: If uh, unfortunately, most, almost every time you guys do it, is uh, that same time I'm at fair.
3: Oh my goodness! Well, I know it's a side thing, but uh, before you got the date set for the twentieth, so when's the fair?
2: The twentieth.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that the last meeting? Yep. Is that the fairground week?
2: Yeah, that's the youth fair. Youth fair goes on that week. <laughs> But you guys have played it that way. I think there's only been one year, and I I did go the the one year. Uh, usually I can get permission to go, but uh, Saturday this year I won't be able to make it. Oh. But look at that! How many he has in that cooler? So he I it's not that he's you know doing it. I mean I'm sure he's going out more than once because get 168, 60, 684 But you look right there, he's got a good 40 or 50 on top of that cooler. And while we're down there in Florida, let's talk about the new law that they've got that's gone into effect. Divers down flags are now warning devices under law.
3: We actually talked about this tonight at the After Dive gathering and talked about it and everybody's for the idea.
2: Yeah, the divers down flag, which they're saying is an iconic symbol of underwater sport, no longer is defined as a flag under Florida law. The red and white flag remains perfectly legal to use aboard the boat carrying divers or towed by a diver in the water. However, dive flags and inflatable buoys with a symbol now are classified as diver down warning devices. By law that took effect July 1st, Senate Bill 864 filed by Palm Beach County Senator Joseph Abrozo aims to expand the type of devices divers must use to alert vessels that submerged divers are in the area. This new item will provide divers with additional choices for signaling to boaters that they are divers in the water, says Florida Senate analysis analyst uh, Robert Carmichael, chief executive officer of Brownies Marine Group in Flor- Fort Lauderdale. Praises the changes in advance in dive safety gear. The current technology of the single dimension flag is totally inaccurate, Carmichael said Thursday. We all knew the dive flag simply does not work. It gets blown parallel to the wind. A lot of other boaters can't see it. There's nothing good about that. The new law will encourage innovation and competition in the marketplace. All kinds of new ideas will pop up. Browning Marine has a 3D buoy, three-sided inflatable buoy, display the diver's down symbol on all sides. In 2014, state rep Holly uh, Ration uh, of Key Largo, Abruzzo retweaked the dive flag law to allow a cube-like floating device to qualify as a legal device for towed by divers. The uh, Gumba 360 was one of the first such devices in the market. It's the first phase of changing to much smarter devices that perform better for divers and boaters. New law also drops the requirement that dive flags have a metal stiffener as long as they're contr- constructed to ensure that the flag remains fully unfurled and extended in the absence of wind. buoy diver down warning devices used in the water by divers must have a 12-inch by 12-inch symbol but no longer have to be physically towed by the divers. Diver warning carried in a boat must have a 20-inch by 24-inch diver flag and device, not a buoy displayed high enough to be visible.
0: Even as we're speaking, I'm thinking about, you know,
3: if I took something of a, uh, like a kite, a box kite, mm-hmm. <clears throat> four-sided, did the flag emblem. I could do that halfway up my pole. Mm-hmm. It should be lightweight, not a big deal to do, and uh, I can still use my basket.
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, it doesn't have to be right to waterline, does it?
3: No, no, they prefer it. You want it up, way above from that. Like my new one, you've seen that, right? I've got uh-huh. an alpha flag, dye flag, club stuff on a six foot. The only problem is if you go down the side by the flat, by the trees and stuff, you know, when we do the river, yeah. you got to watch out cause it will snag like crazy now.
2: Yeah. But well, yeah, I see that one that, because if you look in the article, they have a couple photos. They have the square. Yeah. Which just kind of floats. And they have another one where it's a, it's a round buoy, but on top of it is a square. Yeah. You know, I, I have to agree. You'd be able to see it from all sides is definitely an improvement. <laughs> um, yeah that's yeah. Uh, brownies no, marine is a 3d buoy
3: true but you know if you got our basket like we do had mm-hmm. the rod up but then had that like i said of, of the same thin pliable item like silk even that uh box kites have we could easily put it two or three feet up you still have access to your, your uh tube, you know curtain and have that flag way up there and be prominent and yeah. if you had that reflective stuff that would be great because you could put light on the inside. You yeah. could see that at night very easily.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I don't think it would be all that difficult to do either. Wow. Oh. Uh, the, o- the only challenge you're going to have is if you have a windy day and the wind just happens to be going with river current, that that could be a, make for a bad river time.
3: Well, there's no – if that's just floating on the top. Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is have enough slack so it's got a little tension on it, so it's not gonna go anywhere.
2: So they're certainly saying
3: it's not gonna be any worse than if we had our inner tubes. Yeah. So,
2: so they're saying that they don't have to tow it. It just needs to be near them.
3: Um I understand you gotta have you've gotta be within you know, X number of feet, normally hundred feet. So unless you're really good with 100 feet underwater, I think you're going to have to be towing that sucker.
1: Okay.
2: So go into to uh, dive-flag.com and look at the Florida law. Oh, they haven't updated it.
3: What's going on, guys? Well, how about the second part of that where they talk about the locator discount? Did you notice that?
2: N- no, oh, that that was a different. Uh, yeah, what's a locator? Uh,
3: well, that's that's like the ones that uh, they sell at the dive shop.
2: Oh, so if you have the yeah. the there's the E a- yeah. uh, device,
3: but this was for boaters who had that, they get a discount on their their uh, taxes or their fees for the boat. A lot of divers especially if you're going to be doing drift dives, carry those emergency position indicating radio beacons in their baskets or on their their uh, submerged buoys, you know, in a water booth case. Right. So if you come up and you're by yourself, it's like, oh, I'm not by myself. I need to pick that sucker up and dial the nearest boat.
2: I wonder what the requirement is for these uh, E-perbs, uh for Florida.
3: I've seen them up here that go anywhere from two hundred dollars to five hundred.
2: No, but I'm wondering the requirements because you're getting the discount off the boat, so I imagine it has to be part of the boat.
3: Whether well, portable, they're not. You, you don't bolt them to the head or something. You probably
2: well, could. I know. I know. Well, some of the like the commercial vessels have them where uh, they're mounted and they, they'll detach and trigger automatically if the boat sinks. So I didn't know if maybe that was part of the requirement.
3: I don't know about that one because they said recreational. So I didn't think of that. But that, that's really good that here they are giving you a discount because you're you're being safe. I like yeah. that. That's nice.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to define some of the... I, I like the size of it. Okay, the distance is 300 feet in other water. So... Divers must display the flag, remain within 100 feet of it while diving in rivers, inlet navigation. The distance is 300 feet in other waters. So if, we're, if you're out in the ocean or a big lake, uh, if they had a Lake Michigan down there, then it would be 300 feet, which would cover us in almost all shipwreck diving we do. Yeah. Which, which is what, which is how we, we pretty much do it in the Great Lakes. Uh, you have to remain within 100 feet while diving in rivers.
3: Well, what we do though is remember we usually come down the line,
2: mm-hmm.
3: go up the line. The line is on the boat, right. unless you've got an emergency. You're not coming up
0: unless you're by the boat. Right. Yeah, I, I like the
2: size requirement. I, I I think it makes sense.
0: Oh heck yes.
3: I'm a, I, I'm just curious who's going to be the first in our area to start using one of those.
2: The what the question I have is, okay, so they made this and really they're putting the onus on the divers. Yes. But what are they doing about policing this when people don't when when voters don't follow the rule? So if we're diving and then somebody just is using us as a turning pylon, what kind of enforcement are they putting in place?
3: You mean like tonight where the voters told us that they owned the river? Yeah. That's a different story we won't go into now, but...
2: Uh. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that at that time. Because, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's things we can do. But that's what I want, is I want to have some sort of laws. Plus, there needs to be, you know, like a three-strike thing. You know, not that I want to give people an out, because I think it's an excuse. But there are going to be re- uh, repeat offenders, and they, that should not be tolerated. Then we have a little article about scuba diving with asthma. And we'll have this in the show notes. You can go to scubaobsessed.com. Uh we've been getting the show notes up the last 3 times. I say we actually uh Jim Billings has been doing that. So thank you Jim, one of our Florida diving associates. Uh, this article scuba diving with asthma just is uh it was an interview with a doctor David Lang an asthma specialist at the Cleveland Clinic, and an avid diver, and he just talks about the risk with diving. He says that uh, it is possible to dive with asthma, but it is not recommended for people if you have asthma that's triggered by cold, emotion, or exercise. Those type of people should avoid it altogether. Everybody else needs to have asthma well-maintained and realize that they're taking some risks. If you find you're using a rescue inhaler more frequently, if you're having more frequent daytime, nighttime symptoms, probably should see your physician before you dive. And also, as always, a good resource is Dan, Diver's Alert Network. They'll, have, they'll point you in the direction to get some of that stuff checked out. But you can dive. I didn't know they – because a lot of times when you go down to the dive shop and you're going to take your class and they got the questionnaires, the way that they're worded, it'd make you think that you couldn't dive at all if you have asthma.
0: Well, a lot of times it's like what degree of asthma do you have? Do
3: you have what you call coal induced mm-hmm. or and, uh, As an individual or an instructor, I'd want somebody with authority telling me they could or could not dive, meaning doctor's item.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to be out there and then have somebody have an attack. Excuse me, and you can't get them well, safe. I looked
3: at the trigger temperature drops and temperature, exertion, breathing, dry compressed air. Duh. We have all of those.
2: Right. Yeah. For me, I, I find it just the opposite. I think that my breathing's much better on that nice filtered compressed air. <laughs> kind of therapeutic. And then we have an article, let's see, this one's called Breaking the Silence Over and I, h- how do you even pronounce this? Fornois? For no f- what was it? Fornois? For um, a team of Greek and American marine archaeologists rely on help from fishermen and divers to explore treasures of the deep. So they're they're talking about over by the Aegean Sea, uh, between Micros and Meglos, there are two inlets or uh, islets, which are probably just like not quite an island in the archipelago in the Eastern Aegean. According to local lore, their name derives from the fact that many ships have smashed to pieces on the shores. Author says that without a group of sailors who were shipwrecked here without food or water, resorted to cannibalism. And this is an article. uh, Again, we won't read the whole thing, but there's some amazing photos in it. Very well done. And it certainly makes me want to take some trips over there. How about that for some grubbing?
3: Uh, I'm all for it. You see the picture of those guys on the boat that the tailgate just goes right into the water?
2: Yeah, wouldn't that be nice?
3: Oh, God, would that...
2: That's a, that's a, that up? looks like a... that Was that like an old landing craft, do they say? It
3: looks like a small landing craft.
2: Yeah. they got the little chair there. You That's that perfect.
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: Huh. I need... I, I'd like to get a different picture of that. See what that is. And the other photos, they've got what looks like to be a fishing boat, and then somebody's got a Boston whaler that they're in. Yeah. But just some... Very nice photos. Very well done article.
3: Well, the pictures are great. Antiquities scattered over the seabed. That looks like the Niles River for beer models.
2: Yes, it does.
3: So if we don't bother these in 500 years, those will be antiques.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we'll almost be what, the, what, they're, what they're on now.
3: Well, you know, you look back at it, and it, it was. Back then, it's pottery. Once it's lost, what the heck?
2: Yeah, it's it's all trash. People didn't really care about it. It broke open and what was in it was gone, so they are even if they could have gotten down to it, they didn't want it. Uh the, the the depth of some of these are at 37 and 48 meters.
0: which is down to the getting right out of the sport recreational depth. Yeah. Excellent photos, and they're bringing stuff up too. Oh, I just roll
3: scroll through there. It doesn't stop. It goes down like seashells from the seabed. There's a beautiful color shot of all these amphoras and jugs stacked up on top of each other, and all the coral formations over them. Did you look at that? Yeah. Oh, that is awesome.
2: Great. Yeah, they, they got one guy who's cleaning one up. He's cutting. He's got a little angle grinder, and he's he's cleaning it up. And then they've got him in the walls of a shop. small amphora decorate the walls of a cafe hung besides old musket.
0: Oh, that looks nice. Oh, I could dive there.
2: Yeah. Maybe, That's
3: cool, maybe, isn't it?
2: Maybe this would be a good retirement spot.
3: The one where you got that saw, getting some of the uh, stuff off. Look at the bottom of his feet
0: is. What is that?
2: Let me get back up there. <clears throat> I bet you that's a net. I bet you they had that. Okay. They they I lifted so. it in a net, and then there's, <clears throat> egg, there's egg crate foam on top of the pallet.
3: Okay. That's what that is, because I couldn't figure out what the hay is that, but you're yeah. right.
2: Yeah. They had it slung in a net, and then they set it on that pallet, uh, just dra- left the net underneath, and then he's cleaning it up. So they're probably trying to determine how what how good a condition it's in.
3: Yeah. I'm looking at the pictures where they're displaying some of the broken pottery, my wife wouldn't let me do that.
2: <laughs> oh, I've done that, but it's now re- relegated to about four feet from me here in my diving uh, studio.
3: Well, the one on the left that's on a big wire basket uh-huh. that's really intact sort of, but grody looking. Yeah. That one she'd like, but the other parts is just, I mean, I can give you that in the Plain Joe River. Not as old, of course. Right. Interesting, though. Yeah. Oh, it's even more pictures. It's got tons of pictures on this thing. Yeah. We should go there.
2: Think so? You think they they they'd let us let us come and do some grubbing?
0: Uh we'd probably have to be well no, we're pretty careful. Yeah, they'd let us. Yeah. Why not?
2: Uh turn uh, at the end of the article they start talking about turning the to tourism, the possibility of this underwater treasure may be exploited as interest to me locals who traditionally made a living from fishing. There are three hundred licensed fishermen on the island of a thousand residents and have been seeing their catch drop over the past few years. The sea does not bring in what it used to. The answer now is tourism, if we can get tourists to come, we'll have work, says a retired fisherman oh well, I'm not even going there. Who recently pointed archaeologists to three wrecks. We're waiting to see what they'll do. We don't want these assets going elsewhere. We want the island to benefit.
0: I like the the part near the end of it. They talked about more fishermen are starting to
3: talk, meaning telling them about this. As a mindset changes, they realize even if an area is declared protective, it only has a minor effect on the fishing grounds.
2: Right. Yeah, you can still fish over it. You just got to be careful about dropping your anchor and
3: and you're not doing a drag net.
2: Oh, yeah. And it doesn't look uh, – they are netting in the, in the photos in the article. You can see they have some nets, but I don't think they're doing a lot of drag netting.
3: Yeah. I like the part where he said um, the gentleman found a stone anchor or a, handed over a stone anchor. He found a tree. He never considered asking for money even though he is entitled to it by law. I'm not looking to make a single euro for this business. Once you start getting paid for something, it's no longer a contribution. Right. said, I'm not looking for money either. I'd be thrilled if they named a wreck I found after me, unofficially, to know that I, too, am part of my island's history. I like that. I uh, do, too. That,
2: that, that kind of goes with our, our thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, uh, maybe this is this one we need to bookmark, and maybe it's, uh, you know, they want some tours, and maybe they need some publicity.
3: Nice articles and yeah. great photos. I like this.
2: Yeah, very well done. And then this next article is out of National Geographic. And they, they're they covering a story where it says how archaeologists discovered 23 shipwrecks in 22 days. So that's a pretty good clip there. Uh, yeah. They said for the second time in over a year, undersea explorers have found nearly two dozen sunken ships in the remote Aegean. So here we are. This almost sounds like the same... Yeah, it is. In it fact, is? it's the same island,
3: or the archipelago.
2: Yeah. So it was on July 2015. So it's the same uh, area, Forni Archipelago. Yeah. So this kind of continues on where the other one left off. The ship, there's, they have like one photo. It shows this ship is the only wreck discovered so far. Whose exposed wood has survived? It likely dates to 18th or 19th century. Yeah, see, they don't get the wooden wrecks that survive like we do here in the Great Lakes.
0: Well, they have a sea life that eats the wood. Oh, this is another one. This is this is like the same island. Yeah. It goes and gives a lot more on history of the generic for all around mm-hmm. and
3: we don't have anything near oh, near no. the age of this stuff Oh
2: yeah okay. you've got and our country yeah they've this is at least three to four thousand years of uh navigation, if not longer
0: So when you find i mean the 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 new
2: shipwrecks are two hundred years old yeah. So another excellent story.
0: And this final one here
2: is uh, from the Hackaday website. And they're talking about uh, the open source projects, specifically one that we've talked about many times, the OpenROV project. And OpenROV, they did a Kind of an expedition. They explored uh, a wreck called the SS Tahoe in June 2016, a uh, depth of 150 meters in Lake Tahoe. Back in 1940, the ship was intentionally scuttled in shower lo- water, but unexpectedly slid to much deeper depth. OpenROV used a modified version, of their new Trident design, to dive all the way down to the wreck and take a good look at things, streaming it over the internet in the process. We previously covered the DIY research vessel. Well, this is this is the article talking about how they've, or uh, the website talking about how many times they've talked about the open ROV. Uh, they had to modify the ROV to enable it to operate at 150 meters. So 150 meters. what's that, 450 feet, about.
3: It's getting down there.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of a big oops if you're scuttling a wreck and you want to make it a dive site and it ends up at 450 feet.
3: That must have been a very sharp angle at the bottom.
2: Yeah it must have had like a little ledge they were hoping it would set on and then somehow it flipped or rolled a little bit different than what they thought. But this is what is perfect for an ROV. is, if You're without ridiculous amount of tech gear and risk. Uh, this just makes sense to send down an, an ROV.
3: Did you take a look at the video with the ROV?
2: Yes, yes, they did. That does a excellent job, wouldn't you say?
3: Oh, man, outstanding.
2: Yeah, it's... it's uh,
3: That R- ROV. Any four,
2: idea? 4K video is not uncommon anymore.
3: Well, no, I mean, GoPro will do that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, beautiful.
3: I'd like to have seen their pictures of their submersible here.
2: Well, the... the specific wh- one they used. I think the the one on the workbench. Or is that, is that not the one? I don't know. Not you well, said. I, th- I think it is. If you go, to the, there's a video right below it. Because be sure. if you look at the shot, you can see how there's the two arms in it. Yeah. So that's the one that they're using. So this is their... Uh, their normal ROV. Now they say it's ROV version 2.8. Oh, in fact, that is it. Yeah, yeah. I,
3: I'm looking at it as we're speaking.
2: Yeah, Open ROV version 2.8. So they have this one, and they also have a different one that they just did the Kickstarter we talked about before, which is more the streamlined, thinner version.
3: Now, I wonder what this costs to make because some of the guys in the club are looking at doing this.
2: Oh, uh, th- this Open ROV you can buy them for this, this one here. This yeah, this is less than a thousand dollars, easy. Less than a thousand? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Here, let me. Uh, let's head on over. I'm going to take a look now.
0: As well, I don't have to, have to have to have a flux
3: capacitor, I'm I'm pretty good.
2: Yeah, no, it doesn't need flux capacitor. So it is nine hundred dollars. The kit, OpenROV version two point eight kit. Here, let me, I'm going to paste it to you. Uh, If I can figure out how.
3: I just saved this myself. I'm going to come back here.
2: Here it is. Oh, I got to go back to chat room. Am I ignoring anybody who's in there? No, there's no, I'm not going to say there's nobody in there, but everybody's on audio, so they can't get links. But yeah, eight hundred ninety nine dollars. All right. Now I don't know if this is the deep version. Let's see. Do they give the spec on the two point eight? Introducing the all new two point eight version. Really excited to tell you about the new version of the Open ROV. Team in conjunction with community members, contributors, and forums to put together an amazing tool that builds on the success of two point seven. We focus on improving the build process to make it more enjoyable, straightforward. It's faster and easier, but doesn't take out any of the fun stuff. We've added some ways to hack, build, and explore the open ROV, such as the ability to wire directly to additional servos and PWM channels, which my extensive <laughs> robotic experience over the last year, I actually know what that means. It's never been easier to hack or modify your underwater robot. Second, 2.A is reliable and rug in the field. Increased the thickness of the main acrylic tube, so it's now Stream live HD video to your laptop at a maximum depth of 100 meters. So they did 150. So they modified it. So what they either they upgraded some equipment or they just went deeper than they're guaranteeing you can go to.
3: Oh well, I I definitely saved this section. I'm going to go back
0: to this one later. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Maybe this is, yeah. So they, they,
2: yeah, I like that. The weight budget of add-ons modifications to six ounces without the need for flotation. So you can add six ounces of negative buoyancy to it and it will still operate. That's 100 meters is, would be fine for us.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Eight ninety nine upgrades and accessories. So uh, they have a uh, an IMU compass and depth module. That's 120 dollars. You add that on, uh, you get some more batteries. Uh, battery chargers, SD cards, decal pack. It's important to have your decals. M- I'm wondering why they're not showing te- uh, tether in there is optional. Unless it comes with it. And you can buy replacement parts. They have all of... This is real reasonable. If this is a commercial product... Oh, here it is. An extra 100-meter tether. Guess how much that costs you? 100 bucks.
3: $54. Really? That's yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I thought $100 was ridiculous. Well,
2: Cause I, I looked at it when they were originally doing it. And early on, that was one of the more expensive items was them working on the tether and just buying the wire to make it. Cause it's open source, which means that you can get all the plans, all the designs. They tell you where they buy stuff. You know, the computer brain for this is a beagle bone. Which is a computer uh that's about a fifty to sixty dollar computer right there uh but to build all these different things in in the beginning is you could it was costing more and now you look at it, you know o ring set eight bucks I mean this is all very reasonable, and that's why they're being successful with it webcam forty bucks huh, yeah, this might be uh I mean you get four people together on this. That makes it reasonable.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
2: Nice. Yeah, we need to have them on, too. That's a nice story about how they came up with the open ROV. Well, that does it for uh, Scuba the News. We do have one more article, some potentially cool scuba gear. This kind of carries on from last week's discussion. Uh, so instead of a scooter, and they had that little scooter motor that you could put on a kayak, this one's actually a jet-powered fishing kayak. Jet Angler by Equonomy. Jet-powered fishing kayak allows you to have all the benefits of fishing kayak, but traveling at 32 miles per hour. You can take one or two people, use a central joystick for steering, weighs 249 pounds, and can travel... A hundred miles on one tank of fuel, I'm sure that's other miles with somebody not me on a tank. <laughs> it's probably like that girl that's in the photo uh you now her maybe up oh, it looks it looks like a fairly well designed thing uh the price to me seems to be a little salty, but if you didn't want to have to hassle with having a vehicle and tow of a larger boat, uh, six thousand dollars isn't isn't too crazy.
0: Nice little touch having the ice chest built in in the middle. Mm-hmm.
3: And it's very stable. It's so like a fishing kayak because it's got to be broad beam. With mm-hmm. the weight of the battery and the motor and stuff, it makes it really center. So when you're standing up on it, like uh, the pictorial here.
2: They show that the father and son on the boat.
3: Yeah, you're not going to dump it. Yeah. But I can see that when your dive gear, like the picture under the father and son. Mm-hmm. You can put your dive gear and stuff here and uh, be ready to roll. We
2: could paint them black. Be like a stealth.
3: Or bright yellow with reflective tapes so nobody runs over me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, that's the thing. It's 100 miles. You know, how about this? You could go take this uh, 250 pounds. I wonder if you could put some sort of wheel mechanism on where you could drag it down the beach and launch from, like, say, well, Waco.
3: Absolutely. I got that already for my kayak and stuff.
1: Yeah. Huh. You,
3: just, you just put it on that, roll it out, fold the wheels back up, and you can attach that to the bottom of it, probably, other than drag.
2: Well, you know, the only thing that's missing, though. Mm. side scan well it's
3: not missing this. I just had not put it on board yet
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you think about this you could get three or four guys out you could do some serious lawn mowing oh yeah we could network them together yeah especially for inland lakes yeah I like that well, I'm, I'm thinking even Lake Michigan
3: uh, it's going to have to be pretty flat for you guys to play around like this yeah for oh. a certain day out there
2: you know, less than three foot waves. It, it was you have a hundred. You have a hundred mile range.
3: Well, I figure that's going to be forty miles up, forty miles back, and twenty reserve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go go up current first.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, yeah, I I do like that. I, it it is a little pricey, but I'd prefer that over a jet ski. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the, I noticed that on their the vessel, they don't have any numbers. On a kayak, do you have to have hull uh, numbers?
3: I know I don't on mine.
2: But this one might be the motor limit. Let's see, they don't, do they say how big this motor is? They don't. Huh. That'd be a question because I don't see any haul of registration.
3: Okay, seventeen point five horsepower four-stroke gasoline engine.
2: Oh yeah, you're you're going to have to in Michigan, I'm sure. Yeah. You're not going to because yeah, this is this is yeah. It would just make sense to get to get it.
3: Yeah, I can't imagine you you wouldn't have to have a a number on your on your
2: kayak. So they, so they have a blue and a green one. Let's see what other colors they come Yellow. in. Yellow. Do they have a yellow? Oh, yes. yeah, they do have a yellow. That looks nice.
3: I mean, I, I like the picture of the guy sitting on the standing on the tip of it, and it's just as stable as if he'd been in the middle of it.
2: Well, oh, like the guy it. who's who's got like a tether, it's almost like he's using it like a jet ski. Or a, not a jet ski, a, uh, oh, not now? wave runner. What do we used to call those? Wind, wind sailor. Yeah. I like this here. because Oh, Jet Surf. So they got different product. Yeah. Okay, I see what it is. They have Jet Surf, Jet Kayak, Jet Angler, Jet Tender. Does Jet Tender make more sense for us? Well, divers? I think
3: it's called a jet because have you don't use it properly. Right. And I'm looking at the pictorial of it. It has the uh, hatch covers removed, so you can see the engine, and then a picture of the whole kayak with all the parts and pieces labeled. That's pretty cool.
2: I like that jet tender. The oh, market is going to be as a tender for a boat, but.
3: Yeah. I wonder if I can get out and get back in it without tilting. I bet you can. Uh, yeah. Cause if you can, that would be great for what I do for diving.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a 1.6 meters wide. So that's five feet. And looking at it, it's like a rib. Really? Yeah. I, you You're not going to be able to flip that over. And look at the size of the uh, pontoons on it.
0: Well, recommended max load, 400 pounds. And that's 3.7 gallons. Playtime time, full throttle, two hours. Three and a quarter throttle, three and a half hours.
3: That range here, 160
1: kilometers.
3: Mm -hmm. So 100K is 60 miles. That's about right. That's about 100 miles.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. One of those things that if if I ever get to that point where I'm wealthy without having to worry about it, it'd certainly be something I'd add.
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: Maybe it wouldn't be my only boat or my first boat, but it would be nice to... To have it as a tool. Yes. Well, that does it for Scuba the News and all the ancillary parts. So now it's time we get to talk about diving, which there has been a whole lot of diving going on. Uh, just tonight you had the Thirsty Thursday dive down in Niles. Now, were you guys diving off of Maramont?
3: Well, I went with John. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I think Diane was going to show up and meet us there. Uh, I think she got sidetracked. So he and I left and met the guys up by the uh, Riverview Park. We got there. There was what three flags in the water by the pipe, one down by the dock. Uh, we had Richard Curtis down there by the dock. Mary Beth was shepherding two new guys who'd never been in the river uh scott no steve and i cannot think of the young man's name and then uh sir larry and uh, ken and uh jim who wasn't going to be there wound up being there anyway they went across john and i were on the opposite side or uh, automatically i think mike mike came yeah go on that side so i mean we had a whole bunch of people
2: uh-huh
3: and then we had shore support. We had Jake and uh, Jerry, and we had our alpha flag or our, our Papa flag, our recall flag with us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had, you know, shore support equipment as long as you're on this side. Yeah, 79 degree water.
2: 79 degrees in the river.
3: Right, minimum five foot vis maybe.
2: That is bath water. And we did have some rain this week. So when you say five-foot viz, I'm a little surprised.
3: Well, I would, you know, Monday and Tuesday were great, and this was no worse off. And continuing the rain,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I was surprised. The current just a tad more than it was the first part of the week.
2: Well, I think that some of the efforts that they're putting in place of uh, Michigan's got a big program now, and I think a lot of the Great Lakes do, to combat some of the, the algae blooms are really working with farmers and other areas about not putting fertilizer right in to the water, uh, helping develop the banks. Uh, we've seen, you know, anytime you have large concrete, you have to have a retaining area where all the, anything that runs off the concrete has to settle before it gets put into a drain system. So all that helps us, especially if you, because it didn't rain a long time. We had, you know, just a couple hours of rain. Uh, but we did have some rain this weekend, though. So it hasn't been without rain. Yeah. Well, that's nice. So the uh, any any unique finds. I, I before the podcast, I thought I heard you say somebody found a Hutchie. Yes. Oh. I
3: believe it was John or flyby.
2: Who's who's actually listening right now in the in the chat room?
3: I, I believe that's his fourth Hutchie.
2: Oh man. We've
3: got people in the club who've been diving thirty years. And I've each found one each. <laughs> I'm, I've
2: yet to find one. I found, I found pieces. Uh-huh. I have not found a complete hutchie. I think Jim finally found one after years and years. Yes,
3: of he did. He found one last year.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm probably getting to be, all these new guys are finding them all.
3: Well, you mm-hmm. saw the pictures we had posted for the uh, pre-Thirsty Thursday Dive. Yeah. I think that was on Tuesday. And you see the number of turtles we found? No. You didn't see the pictures?
2: No. What, where are you talking about the pictures?
3: Facebook? Facebook. The club site for Facebook.
2: Yeah, let me take a look. Yeah.
3: It's of July 12th. It says Niles River pre thursday
0: Thursday. Okay. Because I didn't see the turtles. I mean, I've been...
2: Let's see you, you, you no, stuff no, out there. You, so is that is that tonight's photo? No, oh, that's I, yesterday. I, I, you, had, you found a crock.
3: Well, which one are you looking at? Are you looking at the? Well, I'm looking on
2: the on Facebook. It's got Thursday. your name on it, and it shows a bunch of bottles and a crock.
3: Oh no, that's different. I, I, I thought you keep going down till you get to the free Thursday dive,
0: July twelfth. Okay, let me.
2: July
3: 12th, there's pictures also for July. Facebook
2: has screwed this up so bad. (laughs) Well, here's the thing is, is you follow something and you want to see it all. They put the bozo filter on and they're not going to show you all. So they've got recent activity and they got older popular activity. So even going to the Mud Club Facebook page, I can't see all the posts.
3: Okay, I'm the fifth one down on mine. I'm looking at it right now.
2: Uh, you're, we're seeing. We're going to see different things because they got the filter on.
3: That's crazy. Why
2: didn't I see? It's because it's stupid Facebook. What they're trying to do is they're trying to control what you see. Oh, I hate this. Yeah. So so you and I are trying to talk about it. So, uh, there's probably some, yeah, see, I'm not see I'm not even seeing that. I, I, my, so let, let's look, we got you at the top of the So if you go to mud club site for those up, at home. You can follow if you go onto Facebook and I, you have to search for Michigan space, underwater space, divers, space club. And we are the only one. It's a closed group, but you can ask to get in. And if you look like a diver, make sure, your your photo is talking about diving and you don't look like some crazy person
3: and you don't have 48 groups you yeah. you're a member of cuz not you're not getting approved
2: yeah and and the reason is cuz we don't allow people to spam you know don't come on there thinking you're going to sell your trip to Fiji or whatever going on there
3: sunglasses or something
2: yeah so you can lurk and and watch or if you want to contribute it's got to be something about diving uh, okay, so so you have that at the top, and then there's a spot where I can do a post. You know, as an admin of the page, I can post. My first article is, is Dan, and it it shows that he did something four hours ago. Then the next one is July 11th from Bob, and then I've got one from you.
3: I got I got a quick item for you. See yeah. where to search this group. Yeah. Type in July 12th.
2: Okay, let me see if that will do it. Click of course, right you have to know enough to search for July 12th. Yeah, now now it comes up.
3: All right. You see the top picture to the right? Yeah. It's like a log. If you click on that, you're going to see a turtle.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah.
0: And we saw them again tonight, only that's a small one.
2: Now, you say, is that a soft shell?
0: That's a soft shell.
2: Okay. Yeah, some nice bottles in there. In fact, I think I am going to save that picture and that will be the the show picture. Did did you see the color correction I did to your photo from last week?
3: Uh no, I did not. I did so not. You
2: go to Scuba Obsessed and the uh, dot and you click on last week's episode, 289, you will see the color correction that I did to it. Okay. And what I might, I I think I might do is start coming up with uh, color cards that you guys could take a photo of, and it would help me set the color correction. Uh and you know, sometimes they call that automatic white balance or or that because what happens is you're aware of if anybody who does photography underwater is that your colors start to leave rapidly right right as you get down and then on top of that you have the color of whatever's in the water the water has its color yeah. which can be kind of tannic or green depending on the season yeah. so yeah. i can correct that out so yeah
3: i was going to say go to july eighth. Real quick. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that one either, though.
2: July 8th. Okay. So I'm going to try that same trick. Mm-hmm. July 8th. Okay.
0: Can come up with another one?
2: Yep. Thirsty Thursday Just Dive.
3: Quick. And go to the end of it and tell me what you think of those bottles.
0: And you'll know when I talk about it. There's five of them in a row there.
2: Oh, the cobalt.
0: <laughs> you like
3: all of those?
2: Oh, those are all nice ones.
3: That lightning stopper has never been, obviously, it's corroded shut. Mm-hmm. That's the actual liquid still in it, undiluted from the lake. Really? Uh-huh.
2: So, so that's I'm, the I'm, middle one? Is a is, is that a hutchie?
3: No, none of these are hutchies here.
2: Okay. So that's but just a... That's just off just to
3: the white is a very old one. That's a little over 100 years old. Uh That company stopped making that beer in 1920, and they stopped making that bottle before that.
2: Yeah, it it looks older than that.
3: Yeah, that's probably in the late 1800s. And then I found another one a couple of days later. I gave it to Jim tonight. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff we're finding out there, people.
2: Wow. These, These are just some excellent bottles.
3: I think, I'm not sure if, if uh, John posted his bottles or not. I saw him somewhere,
0: and I'm trying to remember where. Hmm. Oh, he put his on Facebook already. If you look on John's,
3: he's got a ceramic, it looks like a ceramic bottle, white. I found one last week, the first one I found in years. He found one just like it, only his is about 100% better. It's all embossed.
2: So I'm looking at John. So two hours ago.
3: Yeah.
2: His uh, find. Now, did he have a boat with him?
3: Yeah, we went on his boat. We oh,
2: launched... cheating. Not uh...
3: cheating. <laughs> hey, I get older. I have people help me out. We go to the other side of the river. I'll tell you one thing. People say I suck air. I'm down there and I'm showing him. I'm down to a thousand. He's still got two thousand in his tank. Really? That's called Young and then Shape.
2: <laughs> yeah, that will help. How uh, so like
3: his bottles there, though? He, he
2: got the required golf ball, so it makes it an official dive. Oh, I yeah. like that one because uh, I, I found up a Sheboygan, a, a Torpedo, that looks like that second one from the right. Uh-huh. Uh, the, I like that color glass. It's kind of that uh, kind of bluish color. Uh, and then that is that a milk bottle he's got there with a horseshoe against it, a golf ball on the that, top.
3: Yeah, that's a milk. Shoe, um, yeah, horse. Uh, a milk bottle, yes, embossed.
2: Uh-huh. Which, uh huh. Which which uh, dairy was it?
3: I do not recall.
2: Okay. Yeah, some nice ones. Excellent. Yes. Nice job.
3: We left the engine down there though. I did take pictures of it
2: though. Oh, there is an engine.
3: Oh yeah, I found a mo- motor. Tons and tons of stuff. We we went back out after we ate back out to the parking lot. I'm surprised the cops didn't come by to find out what's everybody looking in the trunk of cars and trucks for. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is their wares, taking pictures with their cell phones. Uh-huh. Larry has found a nice perfume bottle embossed. A very neat shape and embossed to be, I mean, that's great. And uh I think with uh Ken. Found an excellent uh, inkwell. Uh huh. So I think everybody found something of value tonight. Nice. One guy who hadn't been there found a rifle. Uh, now, when it's in the water, it shrinks, of course. I'll have to show you a picture of it. But uh, it's a- uh,
2: yeah, everything when it gets in the water shrinks a little bit, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even he, he had some nice finds too. Everybody had a great time. I think everybody got at least one keeper. Yeah, I mean a really nice
2: keeper. Well, that's nice when you can do that. It's uh, this is perfect because if you if we don't have the leaves falling yet, it just it's unfortunately not surprising you're running into problems with boaters. Uh, that sounds like they're a little bit uh, not aware of the rules to even know that they should be following them.
3: Well, you got to give them a little bit of credit though, because that's not a wide stretch of the river. No. And if you go the 200 foot,
2: oh, you 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 shut bank, navigation down, which well, is not what we exactly. want to do. I mean,
3: that's wider than 200 feet. You can't throw a rock across it. But if you're on the bank and you're within 50 foot of the bank, it does not, you know, it does not stop traffic. hmm.
2: Okay, so this is a Thursday-Thursday dive. How about uh, Lake Michigan? Did anybody get out in Lake Michigan this last week?
3: Well, let's see. We've got...
2: Uh, wasn't there an Ironsides?
3: I'm trying to remember. Ironsides is Ann Arbor because they've been doing so much diving lately.
2: I want to say...
3: They were doing.
2: I want to say uh, this weekend.
3: They were on the Ironsides uh, the 10th, which is last Sunday.
2: Yeah, so they did the Ironsides.
3: Yeah, and I think the week before they had done
2: Ann Arbor five,
3: because I think Jim had three, three dives of a uh, hundred foot plus on that day. So, mm-hmm. and we don't, you don't want to even keep track of what Kevin is because Kevin's diving probably three, four times a week at my bike.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You had, uh, uh and he's not
3: even retired.
2: No, well, he's not, he's not married, which helps. And no,
3: or no little kinders. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No little kids, uh, Taking up a lot of time.
3: On I mean, the I think they had three boats, you know, tethered tail to nose. And this week, it sounds like they're going on to Havana. But the so oh. weather was surfing weather today because I went out and checked. Uh huh. And we had surfers out. So yes. I, it ain't going to lay down. So we're not mowing the lawn tomorrow night. We're going to be uh, playing with the side scan on Pawpaw. Oh, nice. And I think John had planned on going on to Havana. But if the weather doesn't lay down, and the other people want to go in Havana. I think they're gonna oh. hit the river again on
2: Sunday. So, so you say that John John was planning on going on Havana?
3: Yeah, so was uh oh. oh that's right. Kevin and so was excuse me, Sweeney.
2: Yeah, in fact it looks like just an hour ago, John says I was playing in Havana with my boat, but since the wind is forecasted increasingly every day, my plan B is the river. Yeah. So then Kevin says he's making a run for the barge on Saturday.
0: I don't know where that one is.
2: Yeah. Oh, was he talking barge and crane?
0: Oh yeah, they were they
3: were playing with that. Like I said, he's been out a lot of different
2: places. Yeah, he was looking for video of it and I and I wanna say I somebody handed me a camera at one point in time. But it might be one of those things where the it wasn't on or I just never you know, I borrowed somebody else's, either Bob's or somebody's, and took the video, and I never saw it.
0: You know, so John pretty... was at the last
2: week. Oh yeah, he went to White Star.
3: And it was disgusting. Twenty-five foot visibility plus.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, they've had some good vis there.
3: That <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Yeah. A good time, which is excellent. And then, uh, Allie and them got back out. Adam. Yes. He got out last Saturday, and they posted what they had found. They did good.
2: Yeah. Well, then I saw we had a new group, uh, uh, Joshua Ruddish, uh, I'm R A D H S. He's from the Michigan group called the Clean Up Our Riverbanks. Have yes. you seen their their site?
3: Yeah, I, I approved that to be put on our stuff for mm-hmm. our information. And it's quite interesting.
2: Yeah. So they have a group, I guess they have over 1,000 people. And I I think when they say 1,000 members, it's probably not uh, like dues-paying members or just people who who are in the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. But it looks like they're trying to get uh, uh, cleanups together uh, for the riverbanks. And they even go to the point of where they're making, like, decorative art and planters to go. So it's really a beautification and access for riverbanks.
3: Yeah, I didn't know how or what kind of funding they had to dispose of the material to get out. Because you got to have a place to put those tires
1: because
2: yeah.
3: you can't take them anyplace that it doesn't cost you for disposal.
2: Right. Well, did you see the, the planner they're making out of tires?
3: Yeah, I saw that.
2: So I wonder if that's one of their techniques where they're, you know, people won't, you know, without paying for it, if they make it art and people buy it. So they, they have... Uh, oh.
3: Stick a flower in it,
2: people will buy it. Yeah. Well it says calling any volunteers who want to paint. We have three tire planners that are cut, flipped, and primed. All they need now is to be painted. So supply the paint, the brush, and the planner. Oh, well, we supply the paint, the brush, and the planner. And then they show a picture of what one looks like. And that's okay. I don't necessarily know I put one in my yard, but you know, it's they're doing something with it. But I wouldn't mind uh working with them. Provided that they're willing to uh, have the rivers cleaned, because they seem to be bank focused. Uh, I, you know, I would like to, if they were doing a bank, a uh, bank cleanup, if they'd be willing to take any of the junk we'd pull out of the river, you know, we could kind of shadow them or work parallel with them on the bank in the water. Uh, they seem to be uh, dominating the east side of the state, but
0: Yeah, it looked
2: like they were up north, like St. Clair area. I thought. Yeah, I, I saw some. Uh, oh, what is that? The uh, not Houghton uh, crap. Port Huron. I yeah. saw some yeah. Port Huron area, which is uh, that's uh, like in the east side of the state uh, in the Thumbish area.
3: Right. It's Blue Water Fest. That's up
0: by. Yeah. The bridge, yep. which is Saint Clair. Yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah,
3: I mean, you're talking. It's what mid July prime oh, time. Yes.
2: Yeah, I've got. I've got to get. i I need to get some. Uh,
3: I mean, I was, the this is February, people. Yeah, it's February or now.
2: <laughs> We're gonna wait. Just wait till it gets really bad
0: uh Who knows
2: So if you want to follow us go to facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed you have our website, www.scubaobsessed, Twitter, at scubaobsessed. i uh, like to thank WRVO Radio for putting us on the air. Another season, WRVO has some of the greatest radio programs for hunting, fishing, and the great outdoors. You can listen to them live. Visit their website. It's uh, W. Gosh, I should say, I should know what the website is before I talk about it. And then hopefully next week we'll have something that will let you know how you can help us out here in the show. We've got increasing costs that are happening, and we want to do some upgrades. So we'll be asking for some assistance. Uh, WRVO Radio is RenoViolaOutdoors.com. That's R-E-N-O-V-I-O-L-A Outdoors.com. And you can listen to them live. Anything you want to plug, Mac?
0: Oh,
3: not today. Uh, the club site has been updated from the aspect of the newsletters on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody who's a member should have gotten their newsletter already. Yeah. And uh, I put a reminder out that if they wanted their their phone directory, the photo copy one, you'd have to contact me directly. But you've got to be a club member yep and uh that's about it, other than we're getting wet
2: yeah i'm I'm jealous i gotta get out there i'm gonna try for this weekend. we'll have to see
3: well, anytime you have a window, there's somebody wanting to get out there
2: yeah i've got gotta replace my high pressure hose, <laughs> so that's got to be i just haven't uh, work's been insane <laughs> I can't get get to the dive shop to get it replaced.
3: Would you need me to pick that up for you?
2: I got tanks there. I've got all sorts of crap there. (laughs) I I need battery for my computer. I'm just not, this is, this is the, the, this, I want this to be the best year. It's been the worst year so far, by far.
3: Well, it's interesting because uh, Larry finally got his Hummingbird mounted on his boat, new antenna, new steering cables. Uh-huh. Ken has now another brand new side
2: scan. Yeah, there's a little pressure. These new side scans, because a lot of times, you know, bottom, you know, fish finders, depth finders, whatever you want to call them, there hasn't been enough improvement that if you had one that was within the last 10 years, eh, it was good enough. But it seems like the last year and a half, two years, they've really stepped it up.
3: Well, you haven't seen Bob's new lower end, have you?
2: Yeah, I did, I did see that. I mean, that looks... It does a great job of stitching the images together. Uh,
3: and the technique, you are just talking about new new types. I think they've got three and five frequencies on the kins, and it has a, a stitching mechanism on it that then takes all that information and gives you your composite. Right. It's going to be quite nice.
2: Well, what I want to do, and I don't know who's doing it, and I need to do some research on it, is I want to stitch everybody's together, so say you go and you run out with your side scan sonar today, and then Ken runs out with his, and then Bob runs out with his. say we had the club website where they could upload their raw data. Wouldn't it be nice to have a composite map that got built every time somebody submitted the, their information, so you oh, could move back in time to a location.
3: Yeah run running the same program though otherwise it wouldn't
2: work i think you could translate it into a neutral format
3: huh.
2: i think that that's definitely technically possible uh the other thing is just making sure that people have their scanner made well enough uh you know con- because there's there's ways you can set it up you know where did you mount it in the boat uh, how close is the GPS location to it? Oh, uh, speaking of that, did you see the uh, somebody had dove the the Francie? Yes. So, and what we're talking about here is if you go to Dive Southwest uh, Michigan Underwater Preserve or Dive uh, SWUP. Dot com, you uh, have the Underwater Preserve's website, and there's a, a boat called the Francie. And nobody had dove it in a long time. As the story goes, it was a boat that was, it was a a sailboat that was seen in the Grand River and mysteriously uh, was placed in the bottom at exactly 100 feet off of Saugatuck. And, but the the GPS numbers, people had reported trying to dive it and were only seeing sand. Uh, And they just happened to be about 100 to 200 feet off. So there's, Either GPS is, well, and we know GPS has gotten more accurate, but also there's a technique of when you take the number. You need to take your numbers over the wreck, not when you're at anchor. And I think that's what happens. People take them at anchor. And unless you, you know, if you drop, if you're dropping an anchor based on a GPS location and it's off somebody else's at rest from an anchor, you can be 200, 300 feet off.
3: Yeah, depending on how much scope you got out.
2: Yeah, especially at 100 foot depth, you're going to have quite a bit of scope. But somebody had dove on it. He did a video, and the video was nice, some nice uh, visibility he had on it. Not a real amazing wreck, but still another one. If you're just trying to say there's another wreck to go dive, there it is. Well, thanks go to everybody who's in the chat room, all our listeners. We certainly appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Uh, and I think we're to that time of the show.
0: All right. So here we go.
2: So we have Jimmy, and he asks, Hey, Mike, how's your new pet fish doing? You told me he was really something special. Mike says, To tell you the truth, I'm really disappointed in him. The guy who sold him to me said he could sing like a bird. What? Let me get this straight. You bought a fish because you thought you could teach him to sing like a bird. Well, yeah, Mike says, after all, you know, he's a parrot fish. Now listen, Mike, while you might be able to teach a parrot to sing, you're never going to be able to get anywhere with a parrot fish. Mike says, that's what you think. It just so happens he can sing. The thing is, he's terribly off key. It's driving me crazy. Do you know how hard it is to tune a fish?
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. God.
2: I just I don't know if I've got anything to say to
3: that I think we did good on this one
2: (laughs) you think so (laughs) that one fits in there
3: I fit under the title Bad
0: Scooby-Doo
2: yep so on that note go out there and get wet and stay safe people